Hey, it's intern John. Get more from your store with Safeway's Fresh Pass program. Enjoy more services like unlimited free delivery and all your grocery needs. More exclusive perks like 5% off every day, your favorite organic or open nature items across the stores, and more rewards that never expire. And now, enjoy a limited time offer and save up to $5 per pickup order with a Fresh Pass subscription. Get Safeway's Fresh Pass to enjoy exclusive perks, unlimited free delivery, and more. Start your 30-day free trial today. Visit Safeway.com slash Fresh Pass for program details. Constant Contact's email and digital marketing tools have been helping small businesses build better customer relationships for over 25 years. And things just got better because now you can add SMS marketing to drive even more results. With SMS, you can easily grab customers' attention right where they are on their phones, send timely offers, personalized messages, important updates, and other unique information to boost engagement and drive response. Go to ConstantContact.com to get started for free. Hello everybody and welcome back. Tonight I have a wonderful story for you. A sleek, hairy man who looked like a centaur and a cacoldy goatman. Hi Deborah. I stumbled across your podcast by complete accident and I was amazed that we have all these Bigfoot and cryptid sightings in the UK and now I'm hooked. Anyway, I message him because my interest stems from a story that my sister told me some time ago. Back in the early 1980s, my sister was going out with a chap that lived not far from Canic Chase. And I know you've made podcasts about this place before. Anyway, my sister was going to stay at his house, which was quite remote and old, if I remember rightly. My sister also said she felt that the house was haunted, but that's another story. They were both driving through the chase and it was a clear evening and they were just driving around and talking. When off to the side of the verge in front of the car stepped a creature they thought at first was a pony. This thing stopped in front of the car and slowly moved away from them so they were able to get a good look at it. In the car headlights they could see it clearly and my sister said it had the body of a horse but the torso, head and arms of a man. They both saw it at the same time and they both agreed on exactly the same thing without speaking and they sped off like a shot. The boyfriend refused to discuss what happened and what they saw and he never mentioned it again. They only went out together for a while and she lost contact with him years ago now. We're in our 50s and she still maintains what she saw that night. But she doesn't have the absolute interest in the subject in the event that I have. She was almost a bit matter of fact about it. But then she does seem to have paranormal experiences happen around her quite often. My sister can see spirit and the energy of things. So I think she's become a bit blasé. Whereas I want to know what it was. I recently asked her about it, hoping to find out more, and she said it was very dark in colour and the human parts of it were also dark and looked as if they were sleek, but they were hairy. It just stared at them and they definitely saw human facial features. I wondered if anyone has seen this type of phenomenon before. There seems to be a lot of strange stuff related to Canic Chase. My sister's not a very imaginative person. She's far more practical, if anything. 
and not prone to exaggeration or storytelling. I believe her and I still remember her telling my mum and me about it all those years ago. I'm just wondering if anyone else has reported what I guess would be a centaur type creature. I hope you might be able to shed some light on this and we have wondered about this for years and didn't really know who to tell. When I was reading through the report, I was struck by the sentence off to the side of the verge in the road. Steps a creature they first thought was a pony, as the description of a pony or horse is said quite often by witnesses. Now, I'm usually guilty of thinking this is probably one of the hairy folk or a bipedal wolf that they're seeing from the side or the back. It never entered my head to consider the centaur. Now, reading this report made me go and look into some of my files that I've collected over the years to see if there were any other reported sightings of a pony or horse-sized creature or any mention of a human-animal hybrid like Pan or the Goatman or the Sheep-Headed Man here in the UK or anywhere worldwide. And it didn't take me too long to find some. There are a number of reports all across the UK where the figure seen is described as horse-sized or as big as a pony and thick with muscle. Now these creatures move off so quickly it's impossible to tell what they are and I wonder if anyone out there has had a similar experience. Now up in the north of Scotland and Cromarty is a tale of the Cromarty Satyr and in an old dusty copy of Ghost Stories I came across two reports related by Violet Tweedale and Violet's an author of many books, and she stated, I remember Lillian telling me of a strange incident that once happened to her. She was walking alone one bright summer morning in Windsor Great Park, when suddenly she saw an amazing-looking creature loping slowly towards her. It resembled an enormous hare. That is to say, its legs and head were those of a hare, but its size was that of a goat, and its horned head was half goat, half hare. This creature, loping without any fear and with the hare's movement straight towards her, caused her to pause and she stood still and breathlessly waited its approach and it passed quite close to her. As it did so, she struck at it with her parasol and instantly it disappeared. And when they were discussing this, another lady um, mentioned her encounter. She said, many years ago, there was much talk amongst a certain set of an experience that had come to happen to a foreign grand duchess and her husband, who spent much of their time in England. Now, this couple were travelling in the wilds of Greece, and one night they wandered out together on the bare mountainside. Sitting out to rest, they were enjoying the beauty and utter loneliness of the moonlit scene when they suddenly heard the galloping of many horses' hooves approaching them. And this astonished them greatly, as they were, no, they were so wild and unfrequented in this part of the country. There were no roads near them, and it seemed strange to hear horses galloping so fast on such rough ground at night, even though there was a moon. The husband and wife stood up, and immediately in order to show themselves. The sound suggested a headlong rush, and they feared that in another second a whole regiment might ride over the top of them. And they had not long to wait, a troop of creatures, half men, half horses, turned past them. They were sure 
fleet-footed and fleet, and they thundered by, and they brought with them the most wonderful sense of joy and exhilaration. Neither the Grand Duchess nor her husband felt the smallest amount of fear. On the contrary, both were seized by a wild elation, a desire to be one of this splendid legion. Now the thundering of their hooves spread over the hills, and they died away into the distance. And on returning to their camp, the husband and wife found an uproar. Something had gone wrong with the Greek servants, who were shivering with terror and struggling with equally terrified horses to prevent the stampede. All that could be learned from the Greeks was that they had heard something, something known of to them and greatly feared. And then the Kakali Goatman is mentioned, and there were several people in the room while the Duchess was explaining about her experience, and amongst them was the first lady, Henry Grosvenor, and she was born as Miss Erskine Weems of Weems Castle. She told us that when she was a child of seven years old, she had passed through some minutes of such absolute terror that as long as she lived, she would never forget the experience. With another child and a nurse in attendance, she was playing one summer morning outdoors. And after a little while, the nurse rose from her seat amongst the heather and wandered off a short distance, out of sight, but not out of hearing. A few moments after this, the two little girls heard some bushes behind them rustling, and a huge creature, half goat, half man, emerged, and leisurely crossing the road in front of them, plunged into the woods beyond and was lost in sight. Both children were thrown into terror, and they were screaming loudly. Now the nurse ran back to them, and when told what the matter was, she scolded them for their foolish fancies. No such animal existed, such as they described. An animal much bigger than a goat, that walked upright, and had but two legs and two hooves, that were covered with shaggy brown hair from the waist downward, and the smooth skin of a man from the waist up. Now the nurse bade them come home at once, and as they gained the road, Miss Weems pointed down into the dust, and clearly defined was the track of a two-hoofed creature that had crossed at that spot. Now the nurse stared for a moment or two, and then with the one shout they all ran. She never took her charges near that spot again. Now Lady Henry said that the memory of the experience was so firmly grafted on her mind that she could always recall with perfect clarity the exact appearance of this appalling creature. In after years, when she was grown, she realised from pictures that what she'd seen was a fawn or a satyr. Such pictures or statues always sent a thrill of horror through her. She attributed this apparition to the fact that she and her companion were playing close to the site of the Roman road, and the road and the road was an old Roman road that was said to be haunted. She went on to say that the Grand Duchess had given her courage to tell her incredible story. Leftovers. Or... The DMV. Number 97. Or... House cleaning. Or... Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Leftovers. Or... The DMV. Number 97. Or... House cleaning. Or... Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Dora. As it was absolutely real to her, as was the passing of the centres to the Grand Duchess. Now the whole scene stood out in brilliant light as the picture before her. Whenever she thought of it, which she did often. She never mentioned it to anyone, as she felt that no one would believe her, and she could always smell again the scent of summer and the odour of pine trees, and hear the trickling of water from a tiny stream. She could always see a wide, white road, ribbon-like and stretching away into the horizon. And suddenly, she and her young companion stood face to face with a presence, a hideous, unspeakable shape, it was neither man nor beast. Now she believed that there was a real world beyond the glamour and vision of our ordinary senses. And sometimes this veil was lifted for a few seconds. And she believed that much of the tradition of mythical creatures represented solid fact. I think I have quite a lot in common with um, Lady Henry. Now to modern times. Lon Strickler, many of you will know from Phantoms and Monsters, published a report from a gentleman who had an encounter with a centre-like creature a number of years ago in America. Hey Lon, this is a second-hand account that I heard from my father's trusted friend. And I'm sorry I can't provide any more details than that, but it's just what I was told and what I remember. When my father's friend was younger, he was a deputy for the Apache Reservation Police. I believe it happened in early 1980s, but I'm not too sure. One night, he was on patrol in his squad car, alone in the reservation. He was driving along the deserted highway that passed through town. When he reached the church, he saw something moving back and forth along the church, peering into the windows. He stopped the car on the highway and observed for a while, and it was too dark to make out much at first. Then, the dark shape took notice of him and began moving out of the shadows and into the front of the church. Now, under the orange light of the streetlights was an eight-foot-tall, demon-like centaur. The bottom half of this creature was indeed a dark-haired horse, while where the neck and head should have been was the upper torso of a man. The man was staring right at him as it strolled by, all four hooves clanking on the pavement. His skin was dark red, and it had horns on either side of its head. He said they were like ram horns, curled around on either side of the skull. He was terrified, and while the thought of shooting the beast crossed his mind, he reasoned against it. He didn't want to provoke it and have it attack him. It completed crossing the road and went down a deep slope into the farmland field below. 
Once it reached the open ground, he watched as it started to run away as fast as possible until it disappeared into the darkness and the trees beyond. He was deeply troubled after the encounter and couldn't reason why a demonic creature would be looking into the building as holy as a church. The way he told the story, you couldn't help but believe it to be true. And I'm sure that it actually happened. Now, one of the best known centaurs is Chiron, or Chiron, who is depicted as a wise centaur. Although most centaurs were depicted as lustful, barbaric and wild. Chiron was a notable exception to this. He was modest and civilised, it was said. And he was known for his medicinal skills as a healer and his teaching abilities. Another legend tells of the Kentari, who were a tribe of half-men, half-horse savages, who inhabited the mountains and forests. They were a primitive race who made their homes in caves. They hunted wild animals for food and armed themselves with rocks and tree branches that they would throw at people. Now, the Kentauros were depicted as a hybrid creature with the upper body of a man and from the head down to the waist with the body and legs of a horse. It had the facial features of a normal man or sometimes the snub nose and pointed ears of a satyr. Now, there are many reports of satyr-like beings and they are known by many names. One lady named Heber had this to report. I had planned a three-day trip up north camping in the wilds, and we had planned this trip way back around Christmas. We assumed the snow would have been completely gone by then, but our trail was really damn cold and slushy, so the original three nights was cut to two. We saddled up our horses and headed out, and this first tip-off that this trip wouldn't be fun was our horses. Now, my trusty old white gelding was off his rocker that day, He's never been aggressive, ever, but he was wailing and buckling and biting the moment we got onto the trail. My friend's horse, who was usually the energetic one, stayed completely silent and he hung his head the whole way to the first stop. When the sun started setting, we found a patch of trees to make a pen around because we had to use an electrified bear fence that connects to a battery. Then, when I unsaddled my boy and put him in the enclosure, he calmed down and he grazed alongside his buddy. While I tended the horses, my friend set up the tent and she noticed that my bedroll was gone, along with my hat. Now, this made no sense, as I'd tied them to my, ta- my saddle just a few moments ago. So I looked around and I couldn't find them near us. Then I went back to my saddle and I noticed that the leather cord had been tied and the items down... Oh, the leather cord that had been tied the items down had been crudely sawed in half. I thought it had snapped along the trail and that I was going crazy and I didn't put my hat there. I walked up from this small valley where we looked in and I looked around and I found my hat about 80 feet from where we'd followed it to the trail in. I had thought it maybe flew away when I was riding but I remember tying it on my horse in the camp. I picked my hat up and it stank. It stank really bad. It smelled like a mix of burnt hair and rotten milk. I held it far away from me. The stink was so bad and I went back to camp. And when I got there, 
My friend said that he'd left to chop some wood and when he come back, the boots that he'd left outside his tent were moved and that they stunk with the same smell as my hat. Now, by this point, we assumed a skunk was around, but it didn't smell like skunk. My friend pointed that out and indeed it was far more putrid. But it kind of couldn't tell you what kind of smell it was. It was so bad, we resorted to piling snow on the items just to block the stink. My friend began getting scared and wondering if an infected wolf was out there. And I laughed because I knew this area well. And there's no wolves live around here. There's too many farmers with shotguns. Besides that, no animal but something like a skunk would so thoroughly stink up the place. I thought it may have been a small animal that was maybe sick, marking its territory. I've seen coyotes do similar things. But coyotes never come that close to humans or foreign objects. But we dismissed it as harmless and we went to bed. The next morning, we saddled up the horses and we noticed that my friend's mare was covered in leaves. And these leaves were stuck to her skin with what looked like tree sap. She got really angry when we peeled them off even trying to bite me, as if she was protecting them. And we looked around and couldn't find any sap leaking, and my horse was still clean. This was the point where my friend brought up woodland creatures and spirits, and how they're known to do this kind of thing. And I really don't like to believe in such things, but the way that this horse had protected the leaves and was licking the sap made me wonder. It'd be nice if it was a good omen, because my stinky hat certainly was not. My friend had to wear those boots too. But we rode on and set up camp for the next night. We settled in without anything unusual. The horses were calm and the wind had settled and the stench had almost gone from our stuff. But then I went to the bathroom about 3am. Before I turned behind a tree, I smelt that same smell as before. And I was nervous now because whatever was making that smell had followed us clearly. I was really scared that it may have been a cougar that wandered too far south because of the long winter. I went back and I grabbed a small hunting rifle we bought and told my friend where I was going. Because damn it, if I've got to pee, I've got to pee. I went around a tree and I finished my business and I got back up and I looked around with my gun on my hip and a shadow moved slowly behind a tree about 40 to 60 feet away. I hummed lonely, trying to sound brave, hoping to hear it move or breathe so I could figure out what it was. And this thing perfectly echoed my melody, but it had a guttural sound to it. It was definitely not a cougar. My heart began to pound as I realised nothing could do that but a person. It was mimicking exactly the noises that I was making. I yelled out, who's there? And then the rotten smell came back stronger. So strong that I began to heave. My friend was calling out from the cabin for me. I kept my eyes on the tree. The thing stood behind and called out again, covering my nose. The leaves crunched and it hummed again. I was beginning to cry and back up towards the tent. And the horses were letting out really low rumbling knickers. We made, it made me so uncomfortable because horses only do that noise when they're happy. And I certainly wasn't. 
My friend ran to my side just in time for me to keel over and vomit. And he was also on the verge of sickness. He pointed the flashlight around and yelled out into the trees and that thing ran. The leaves crunched behind it. And I kid you not, what I saw looked like a man, but with an animal's head. It was so dark, so I might be wrong, but dear God, I know when I saw. It was about the height of a man, and its legs looked all broken, and its limbs were skinny, and it was hairy, especially on its head. Now, Cryptomundo is a blog many of you will know, and they've reported a number of cases in Plain Dealing, Louisiana, that they've called a Plain Dealing Devil. In 1993, some friends and I were sitting around swapping stories when a friend's sister hesitantly told us about a small imp or satyr-type creature that she encountered at a trailer park near Plain Dealing, Louisiana. She related that she was outside when she heard a voice calling her name. Out of the blackness, a pair of red eyes stared and moved closely to her until she could make out a small, black, hairy devil. It was a creature, and it appeared and said, I will follow you forever. And then it disappeared back into the forest. Later, a woman that lived in the nearby trailer home, with whom she was friendly, told her she was driving into the trailer home part one night, and she saw a small, black, satyr-type creature dancing on top of a fence post. I have to admit that at the time I wanted to write that one off as being too far out there, but it wouldn't be the last time. In 1999, I was working at this. I was working on the side as a projectionist in an IMAX theatre, and while the movies played, the staff would gather in the booth and just chat. One day, the stories started to get spooky, and a young lady with no apparent connection to the aforementioned young lady intimated that her brother had been home alone in Shreveport and he had stepped out back to smoke a cigarette next to the family swimming pool and he heard something call his name and at first suspected some local children were hiding in the bushes near the fence after sneaking into trespassing the pool. Then he caught sight of a hairy little man with horns and he went and retrieved a twenty-two caliber pistol from inside the house. He tried firing at the creature a couple of times, but it managed to evade him, and it laughed the whole time. It then leapt to the top of the fence, turned its head, and smiled at him, revealing sharp teeth. The creature then bolted over the fence and ran off into the woods. Now, I've since lost touch with both of these young women. The first actually told her story on tape reluctantly, with my urging, in 1993. But that tape's been misplaced. I've seen her since then and she flatly refuses to be interviewed and she won't discuss it for fear of ridicule. It was just too weird and I want to forget it, she said. Now the white thing. The white thing is a woolly-haired cryptid creature reported across numerous counties in West Virginia, predominantly within the southwestern region of the state. The countries with the most, oh, the counties with the most sightings are Boone County, Kanawha County, Putnam, and Mason, with a surge in sightings taking place in Boone County during the 1990s. Now, the creature is described as being a quadruped about the size of a bear, 
with entirely white wool-like fur. And it has long pointed head, similar to a dog, but with long sabre-like teeth and single point set of horns, not dissimilar to those found on a young goat. Its forearms end in paw-like hands, similar to those of a raccoon, but much larger, while its tail is long and hairless, like that of an opossum. In 1994, a farmer Navy seaman stated he had witnessed the beast breaking through the forest. The white thing reached the bush line and knelt to drink from the creek. Here, it drank for a few minutes before crossing the creek and continuing on towards the nearby road. Now, the witness stated that they observed the animal for a while before it moved on into surrounding brushland. Within the same year, two children observed the same creature while playing in their yard within Boone County. What they reported was observed as a large white bear, yet in this case it was stood up on its hind legs, making it over six feet tall. Startled by this, the beast ran off through the forest, breaking medium-sized limbs of the trees in its path. So it must have been startled by the children. In 1995, the creature was next spotted, this time by somebody driving in a car. A couple driving through Boone County observed a large white beast sitting in the ditch alongside the roadway. As many curious passers-by might do in such a situation, they stopped their car to get out and get a better look. They came to describe the creature again as most similar to the early descriptions Yet they added that the creature had four eyes. In stark contrast to the last sighting where the sheep squatch fled the scene, this creature leapt out of the ditch and started to attack the car. Frightened by the attack, the couple drove off quickly. And once they arrived back at home, noticed large scratches on the side where the beast had attacked. In 1999, there was another incident, and that involved a couple of campers who were in the forest at night, again in Boone County, around the bonfire. They eventually heard an animal snorting and scuffling around the camp in a manner similar to an aggravated bear, though it did not come into the light of the campfire immediately. All of a sudden, what they described as a sheep squatch suddenly charged out of the darkness at the campers, Reacting quickly, they jumped up and ran back into the house, all the while being pursued by the sheep squatch. Giving chase is a natural reaction of a predator when the figure flees, said the blog writer. Its initial attack would have simply been a mock charge, he says. Now, the white thing stopped at the edge of the forest when they crossed it and let out a terrible scream. It then turned around and headed back into the woods. The next morning, the campers returned to their campsite and the trail home, finding it to be torn up. They referred to it as like someone had tilled it up for gardening. Now, in 2015, in Fulk Drum, Virginia, the beast was spotted once again in the forest of Appalachia. And the creature was spotted close to midnight by six campers, spending the night in the dense woods. The beast was reportedly eight to nine feet tall, with shoulder length of four to five feet across. One of the campers first saw the beast at the top of the nearby hill in a crouching position. Then it stood up and as he alerted the other campers 
it started running down the hill towards them. But they were separated, luckily, by a river that was flowing through between them. So the sheepscotch is on one side and the campers are on the other. The campers look in horror as it searched for a way to cross and with no other option, began to wade through the river. It finally came out of the water and the the campers reported that it appeared like a bipedal dog in the chest area with its fur wet from the river crossing. Then, a loud guttural bass screech was heard about two miles off from where they were standing. The sheep squatch was startled by this and it looked up in shock at the screech. And as it looked up, it looked up high enough in the moonlight, it lit it up and you could see its face, they said. And the campers looked on in fear as it let out a pathetic whimper. Then in a sprint, it ran in the opposite direction of the noise. The campers quickly panicked and left and then reported the incident to the locals, fearing that if the authorities were informed, they would be ridiculed. I wonder what it was scared of, what the other beast was that scared it off. Now, the devil's footprints are more prints than creature, but bear with me on this one. There have been multiple reports in the UK alone of devil's footprints, and I'm sure if I looked across the world, I would find more. The first case, reported case, is in February the 9th, 1855, and it's in the country of Devon in England. Now, residents were mystified when they awoke to find strange tracks in the snow. Tracks unlike any animal they'd seen before. And as groups of people across multiple villages, spanning some 40 to 100 miles, followed the tracks, curiosity turned to a mounting sense of horror and dread. What creature can cover 100 miles in a night, going over buildings and, you know, walls, and nothing seemed to stop it? Some four to five inches long, and in the shape of a cloven hoof, the footprints went up walls, across rooftops, from one side of objects inexplicably through to the other side. They seemed to sink solo in the snow. It almost appeared as though they were hot and that they'd steered their way through. At spots, the tracks seemed to disappear, only to reappear some ways off, as though the being that made them had flown for a short stretch. Now, the single fire print suggests a biped. In some villages, it seemed the maker of the tracks had visited nearly every home in the village. Was it animals? Was it a case of mass hysteria? Was it a trick played by some mischief makers? Was it, as many believed, the devil himself? No one really knows. But this was not the only time these strange, unexplained hoof prints have appeared here in the UK. In Exmouth, which is also in Devon, it's one of the port towns, There was a witness who found some strange, unexplained prints and his name was W. Courtthorpe Foreman. And he said, the footprints came up to the front garden to within a few feet of the house. They stopped abruptly and began again at the back within a few feet of the building. Others made similar comments about the prints crossing garden walls and other objects. And in one case, the prints stopped on one side of a haystack and resumed on the other, without leaving a trace on top of that haystack to say that anything had moved across it. Now in March 1855, 
the footprints were again sighted in Inverness in Scotland, which is a good 600 mile away, where a local naturalist dismissed them as a hare. In January 1855, near Wolverhampton, which is in the Midlands, there was about 200... Oh, England, which is about 200 miles north of Devon, hoof prints were said to have appeared on vertical walls and on roof of pubs. According to Elizabeth Brown, a landlady of the Lion Pub in the area, told a public meeting that her house was mainly frequented by quarrymen and the tracks were nothing new to them. Similar hoof marks were to be seen burnt into the rock at Pearl Quarry on Timmins Hill. Similar descriptions have been given in other cases. In spring of 1957, there's an edition of the Tomorrow magazine, a quarterly review of physical research. An anthropologist and physical researcher, Eric Dingwall, reported one such case. A businessman named Mr Wilson found perplexing, perplexing prints on a Devon beach in 1950. They appeared to be hoof marks, though not cloven. The stride from one to the next was some six feet. Now a stark contrast to the small stride of the 1855 Devon prints, which were only about eight to 12 inches apart. Dingwell wrote that no sand was splashed up at the edges. It looked as if each mark had been cut out of the sand with a flat iron. Dingwell continued, he had realised how totally inexplicable they were. For here was a biped with a track shaped like a hooth, starting immediately beneath a perpendicular cliff on a closed beach and ending in the sea. There was no returning track. Dingwall asked Wilson if it was possible that the animal, or whatever had made the marks, had turned right or left when it was in the sea and returned to land elsewhere further down. But Mr Wilson produced photographs which showed that the beach was a comparatively narrow space, completely enclosed by rocky headlands on either side. In the winter of 1957, Linda Hansen observed hoof marks in her parents' garden. In a letter to the 14 Times editor, Bob Rickard, she wrote that it had snowed about an inch overnight and in the morning she'd saw prints, shaped as a cloven hoof four inches across and approximately 12 inches apart, in a straight line and stopping in the middle of the garden. She said dry concrete could be seen where the prints were, unlike with normal animal or human prints that just compresses the snow. In 2009, a retired local government official, Jill Wade of North Devon, awoke to find prints in her yard about five inches long with a stride of 11 to 17 inches. She called in experts to investigate, and zoologist Graham English stated, this is certainly a first for me. These footprints are peculiar, and I cannot identify them, but they are not the devils. In 1945, on January the 10th, to be precise, strange tracks were seen in Belgium. At 10 a.m., Eric Frank Russell, was one of a number of people who discovered strange prints in the snow on a hill behind the Chateau de Minerve near Everberg, Belgium. Each print was only 2.5 inches long by 1.5 wide and it formed a single file line with no left 
or right variance, as if the creature had been hopping. Now, the prints were in a distinctive pairs of two prints about nine inches apart, and these prints were separated from each other by a varying distance of about 12 to 15 inches. The odd line of prints was followed by Russell for about a half mile in a northwesterly direction until they abruptly vanished shortly after entering the tiny wood. Russell then traced them back in the southeasterly direction for about two miles across the field and across the stream until he reached a hillside on which they were worn away by wind-blown snow. Now the crest of the hill and on the side opposite, which was sheltered from the wind, did not have any further tracks or any evidence. Now the oddest part of the trail was that Russell struggled through prints between two to four feet deep to follow it. But he only ever described seeing the prints, he never saw the animal that made them. Russell stated that judging by their depth, whatever made them was at least the weight of a good medium-sized creature such as an Airedale cow. But if it was an animal walking, signs of its body should have been evident in deep snow. The prints remained visible for two days thanks to the good weather. Now Russell questioned a number of the locals about it, but they had not seen such a sight before. Sadly, no film was available in the area, so photographs could not be taken of the prints. Now while Russell speculates the tracks might have been caused by a goat, but the area was littered with them, he himself didn't find it very convincing. All in all, Russell couldn't help but compare the tracks he saw to the more famous occurrence of the strange tra- tracks that appeared in Demonshire, England in 1855. Though in Russell's case, the tracks didn't stretch anywhere near as far, nor climb to roofs and houses, as they had in Devonshire. A dogman with red eyes, claws and hooves. A woman made a, named Olivia made a report of what happened to her and her daughter while horseback riding in August of 1976. Here is her story in her own words. My daughter and I decided to take our horses out riding, like we occasionally did in the Lakeland area of Blackwood. It was August the 9th, 1976, and I remember the date because we knew Hurricane Bell was soon to hit the New Jersey coast. So we wanted to get some riding in before that happened. It was a windy day, but we followed the usual trails, going along dirt paths that were close to the junkyard. We approached one section of woods, where suddenly there was dead silence. We usually heard all sorts of wildlife in that area, but we heard nothing. And a crow cawed loudly three times, and the horses started acting up. We couldn't figure out what was going on. And then, up in front of us, about 100 feet or so, we saw this thing. It was about six feet tall. Its back, which it was scratching against a tree, was facing us. At first, to me, it looked like a large dog on top of a horse. I asked my daughter, what is that? It started walking along the path we were riding on and we slowly followed it uphill. But the horses were reluctant to stay calm, and the closer we got, the wilder they got. This thing turned around, and I could better see what it looked like. It had whitish hair, with black spots on its hips. It had horns coming out of its head, 
and red slanted eyes. Its nose had a pig-like snout and it stood on two feet that ended in cloven hooves. Its hands were tipped with large claws and it looked like it was slobbering all over. It jumped onto the path with its arms opened wide, lowering its head like it was about to charge us. At the time, I felt as though I was in some kind of trance, like I was in a movie or something. It was only when my daughter yelled, let's turn around and get out of here, when I realised we might be in danger. We were certainly afraid of whatever it was. And then it did charge us, tucking its arms in and running like the bionic man. It tried to grab one of the horse's tails, but we took off. When I looked back, I noticed it had stopped in the spot that we had taken off from. Like in the movies, after we got away from this thing, we saw a Washington Township police car by the junkyard and we told the policeman driving that there was a strange creature in the woods that had come after us and we described it to him. And the policeman said, well, I hope to hell we don't catch it. And he started to fill out a report. But amazingly, this thing showed up in the junkyard and we all saw it. It hopped over the eight-foot fence galloped in front of the police car and then ran into the woods at speed. After that, we took the horses right back to the stables. The policeman wanted my address so he could speak with me later, but I didn't make it home in time. He had already come and gone, and I never found out if he'd filled in the report. Maybe he didn't want to report it. Later on, the owner of a local ranch told me one time he'd found one of his horses dead in a field with its stomach ripped out. I'm telling you, I believe that there is something out there. There were three witnesses that day, and my daughter and I recall vividly every moment of our encounter with this thing, even after 40 years. I will never forget it. I've never told this story to anyone outside of the family, but my daughter convinced me that it was time. Now, no doubt, there will be more witnesses out there to these cloven hooved creatures. The legends of centres and pan-like sylphs appear in many cultures. And as we can see from the reports, they still come in. If you know of any reports like this, or would like to report an experience yourself, please get in touch at debbiehatswell.com. If you would like to help us investigate these cases anywhere in the world, or have an interesting chatting with like-minded people. Use that email to join our community member groups for news on meets, exclusive podcasts and sighting reports. Please subscribe or click like and share on social media. And a special thank you to our patrons. Without their help, this channel would not be able to bring you the amazing sighting reports from all across the globe. So I bid you all good night. Until next time. Good night. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.